0: that um, track, which will pump you up, I have it, okay? So after, if you want it because you are not a runner like me, but you want to be a runner, just listen to that on repeat, and you will just crush the miles. I have it. I will deliver it to you later after the service. Come see me, and I'll airdrop you the beat, which is amazing. (laughs) Tonight we begin episode three. Uh, It says episode four, but I think it's episode three because we took a pause last week for Mother's Day. Episode three of our series entitled The Race. We are journeying through the life of the Apostle Paul, or as he's called here in Acts 9 before his name is changed, Saul. We're journeying through his life, and we're seeing that his life is compared to a race. He, in fact, compares himself and the life that he lives to a race. And he says that the Christian life is a race that we are to run well towards the prize that is Jesus. We're going all the way through his life through the book of Acts. And so we're just going to be in that book jumping around for the next several weeks we're picking up in Acts chapter 9, where we've been in Acts chapter 9 the entire time. We're going to stay there today as well, starting in verse 19, the second half of verse 19 through 22. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there now and get prepared as we read God's Word together in a moment. Or you can always open the app, like Simone said, click on the notes section, and it's all there as well. But before we jump in and we read God's Word, I want to just make a few statements that I think we all know this is common sense and that is that everyone loves a good story everybody loves a good story you can have a movie that has great cinematic shots incredible sound engineering but if the story is not good the movie's not good you can have literature that has incredible prose but if the plot isn't good it's not a good story it's not going to win any prizes we love stories in fact We love stories so much that so much of the media is built upon discovering and unearthing stories of famous people, actors and celebrities, musicians, athletes. So much of the media is poised on trying to discover the real stories behind the scenes. We love that. TMZ is built upon that entire idea. Talk shows are about trying to get some relatable content and stories from people. There's a show, how many of you ever seen this show on YouTube that's called Hot Ones? Anyone seen that? Okay, we got some Hot One fans in the room. That show is amazing. So here's how it works. They get a a celebrity and they sit at a table and they have 20 hot wings, spicy wings that are increasing in like spice level to the point like your brain's going to explode at the very end. And they, they have a 20 to 25-minute interview, and they're eating these hot wings along the way. And the whole idea is that they'll throw off the celebrities, so they'll, they'll lose the facade. And they'll share some real things because the hot wings are messing with their minds. But it's built upon this idea, and it works. You know, vlogs on YouTube and other social media are very popular because we want to see behind the scenes in people's lives. Stories matter. Everyone loves a good story. It drives us. It it pulls us to the attention. You know, one of the things that many people are following, don't tell me if you are or not, but a lot of people are following the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial, right? (laughs) We have some people that are like, no shame in my Johnny Depp game, you know what I mean? (laughs) But that people want to see behind the scenes. They want to hear the stories. They want to see the people behind the character that they portray. And That's true for us too, not just as we watch it in movies or as we read it in literature or we engage with it in media. Our stories matter. They matter how we tell them. They matter what we say to ourselves. And what we're going to explore tonight, we're going to see in Acts chapter 9, is that Paul lives out of his story. He runs out of his story. His race is his story. He doesn't run from it. He embraces it. And there's power in story when you embrace your story that you tell to yourself and that you tell to other people as well. There's great power in this. And so Acts chapter 9, we're going to read just these few verses that we're going to be looking at tonight. Verse 19, the second half of verse 19 through 22. And I just want to say this too because we've had different people, uh, different traditions, and you're, you're new here. One of the things that we do, this is just like a Like orienting us. After I read the text, I always say, this is the word of the Lord. And some of you in the room have been a part of the church for a long time. You say, thanks be to God. That's like the traditional response because it's God's word and we thank him. So some of you are like, why are people mumbling every time you read? That's what's being said. I say, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tonight we're all going to do it. Okay. We're going to, now you know, now you're like insiders. Okay. So people come next week, we're not going to tell them. All right. So they're going (laughs) to, they're not going to know. Okay, so here's God's word to us. Acts chapter 9, verse 19b and following. It says, For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. He being Paul. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here For this purpose to bring them bounds before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Wow, that was strong, guys. That was awesome. So here's Paul's trajectory so far in Acts chapter 9. He is on the road to Damascus that we see in the very beginning of this chapter. He is not a Christian, certainly not. He does not believe in Jesus. In fact, he wants to destroy the name of Jesus. He's moving from Jerusalem to Damascus with papers of authority to bound up the Christians that claim the name of Jesus and bring them back to Jerusalem on charges, sentence them to death or prison. On the road to Damascus, he meets the resurrected Savior. He meets Jesus and he is forever changed. This is his conversion account that he recounts many, many times and is here in chapter 9. When he meets Jesus and he comes to faith on the road to Damascus, he is blinded for three days, taken into Damascus and left in a room. Now, he's there for three days. He's praying. He's processing. And God sends a disciple by the name of Ananias to come and to minister to him, to nurture him and to mentor him and to pray over him that his blindness would be removed. So that happens. His blindness is now gone. He is baptized. said he is strengthened. And we pick up right there. So this has all happened. He's a brand-new Christian. And it says, immediately, that's the key word. If you have your Bible with you, you can underline it. Immediately, he goes to the synagogues, which were established religious centers for Jews to talk and communicate and worship and pray and oftentimes do business. So he goes to the synagogues, which was a very familiar place for him, to proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God. Now... Remember, I told you that he is a new Christian, like a couple days, and he immediately goes and proclaims Jesus. Now, oftentimes in the church, here's what we do or what we tell someone when they become a Christian. We tell them, hey, now that you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus, here are the books to read. Here's a class that you need to go to. It's the foundations class. We want to get your theology right. We want to get your doctrines right. Here's a membership class. Time now, become a member of the church. And so you go through the membership class. Here's a small group that you need to plug into. Here's a serve team in the church that you need to begin to serve within. These are all good things. Okay? We have a membership class coming up June 7th. Shameless plug. And we need more people to serve in the life of the church, so join a serve team. It's good to read about theology and to work through what you believe about God and his word. These are all great things. But oftentimes what can happen in the church is that we begin to put programs and all of these mechanics upon people when they come to faith. And we feel like they need to get all of that right before they could actually go proclaim Jesus. Paul immediately goes, he has no training his theology is not ironed out. Sometimes we, we forget that the Paul that we're reading about here in Acts chapter 9 is not the Paul at this point who wrote the book of Romans. Okay? He knows very little. He hated a lot, and now he believes in Jesus as the Son of God. And that's what he knows to proclaim. So he goes to a place of influence that he is comfortable with, the synagogues, and he begins to proclaim The name of Jesus. You see, Paul's race is not unlike your race. And you're going to see that in two key ways. Just from these verses and also modeled in the rest of his life. And here's the first thing I want you to see about Paul. Paul is, I'm going to use Christian jargon, on fire for Jesus. This is Christian jargon. This means passionate. This means Devoted, committed, loud, expressive. He is on fire for Jesus. We know that because he immediately goes to the synagogue to proclaim Jesus. Now, there's a lesson there for us, and that is that in order to proclaim Jesus, you don't need any training. Do you know that? No training, just willingness. That's what Paul has. All he has is willingness. He had a lot of hatred. Now he believes in Jesus. He doesn't have everything ironed out. He's not a member of a church. He doesn't, he's not in a small group. He has like a few disciples that he's hanging out with that are mentoring him for just a couple days. He has been baptized, and he's strengthened now to go proclaim Jesus in the synagogues with these people that were his friends. And he would have talked about, we need to find all the, the, the Christians who believe in Jesus. We need to round them up. But now he goes to them and proclaims Jesus. no training. No programs, no amount of time, just a couple days. He's on fire for Jesus. And he goes to the synagogues with a very simple message. We sang that song, Simple Gospel. Brandon said something that I thought was was right on. That is that we often complicate things. We complicate the gospel. I, I can't proclaim Jesus because I don't know about, like, Post-millennialism and prelapsarianism, and I don't know, like, some of you are like, I don't know what you just said. Those are theological terms. It's okay, all right? We're like, I don't know. Like, what if they ask me this, and what if they say that, and I'm, you know. No, you don't need any training to proclaim Jesus. You just need a willingness to go because it's a simple message. Here's how simple the message of the gospel is, okay? Jesus saves, and I know because he saved me. That's the gospel. There's other things you can say. that You believe that Jesus is the son of God. He's born of a virgin. He died on the cross for your sins. And he rose from the dead. That's as complicated as it gets. And he invites everyone to faith. Jesus saves, and I know, because he saved me. That's what he goes to proclaim. He goes to proclaim this very simple gospel. In fact, the message that Paul goes to proclaim in the synagogues is not only simple but it is contextual, okay? And that, this is going to be great encouragement to you because the message that you are to proclaim, this, the race that you are to run with your story is a message of grace that is simple and it is contextual to you. See, Paul is not only on fire for Jesus, wanting to go to the places of influence and proclaim Jesus' name, he also shares from his story That's why the title of this sermon is Your Race, Your Story. When he goes into the synagogue, it tells us in verse 20 that he goes into the synagogue saying, he, Jesus, is the Son of God. Now, there's a lot of things that Paul could have said or could be said about Jesus. But we read that he goes in to say that he is the Son of God. Why? Well, For Paul, one of the chief objections that he had to Jesus was that he claimed to be the Son of God. And the believers and the followers of Jesus claimed that he was the Son of God. Meaning, he was Emmanuel, God with us. He was the prophesied Savior and Messiah. He was the Son of God. And so this is what actually angers Paul so much. This is why he had committed his life to going and finding Christians and binding them up and bringing them to Jerusalem so he can imprison them or see them put to death. Because he does not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he wants to wipe that, what he believes at the time, is a lie out of everyone's mouth. But then when he meets Jesus, he meets Jesus as the Son of God. See, that message not only relates with the Jews who were in the synagogues that he would be speaking to, but it related deeply to him. In the book of Galatians, written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Galatia, he gives a little bit of insight on what he experienced and what he heard from God when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. Here's what he says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15 through 16. But when he, when God had set me apart before I was born... And who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his, what's the word? Son to me. When God, who had set me apart from birth, though I didn't really understand how, and I didn't fully understand God even, he then called me by his grace and he, God, revealed his son to me. Jesus, the son of God. You see... It is within Paul's central issue with Jesus that Jesus meets him. Isn't that interesting? Paul's biggest issue with Jesus is that he claims to be the son of God. And it is there in his central issue that Jesus meets him and reveals himself as the son of God. And it is then from this central issue that Paul shares with other people who Jesus is. He says he's the son of God. I imagine there was a lot more conversation like, hey, I know that that's hard for you to hear. I felt the same way. I felt there's no way he could be the son of God. Maybe a lunatic, a liar, a fraud, but certainly not the son of God. But then I met Jesus. You see, he's speaking to people, not out of knowledge, but out of experience. That is so important to hear. When you proclaim Jesus, you share out of your story. You don't go proclaim Jesus with a checklist of knowledgeable facts that you learned in a Bible study, and then you just dump it on somebody and see what sticks. That is not how you share the message of the gospel and you share Jesus with people. You share out of your experience. That's what happens with Paul. He goes into the synagogues and he says, hey, um, Jesus, he's the son of God. You see, the race of faith that you are to run is a race that you run out of your story. You run out of your story, not away from your story. Here in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul shares his story of faith, how he came to faith, at least five times. Then, if you read the letters that he wrote, he is always talking about his story, how he met Jesus. And then when he preaches some of the sermons that we are able to see and read from the Apostle Paul, when he preaches and proclaims Jesus in different environments, do you know what he shares in his sermons? What do you think? His story. (laughs) He is constantly sharing his story. When you run the race of faith, friends, you run out of your story. You run out of your story. Every single person... I think every single person that I've had the privilege of leading to faith has related to my doubts, my past, my struggles, my issues with Jesus before I encountered him. Almost every person has related to my story when I have had the privilege of leading them to faith. You see, we speak not out of knowledge when we proclaim Jesus, but out of Experience. And when you run out of your story, when you proclaim Jesus out of your story, you will find exactly what Paul found. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 says this. Remember, he's in the synagogues. He's saying that Jesus is the Son of God. And it says, all who heard him were amazed. And they said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name, Jesus? And has he not come here For this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priest, As Paul begins to share out of his story that Jesus is the Son of God, which was his central issue, but it's where Jesus met him and how he revealed himself to him. He shares out of his experience and people are astounded. They are amazed. Why? Because they know Paul's story and he's speaking out of it. Wait, wait, this was the guy that just a couple days ago we heard was coming here from the chief priest to find people that are speaking just like he's speaking now and bind them up to bring them back on charges. They are amazed. That is how you are to speak. That is how you are to proclaim. Jesus, you don't have to go through training. You don't have to have a whole formula. Sometimes I'm not trying to throw shade. Sometimes those things could be helpful, Okay. But the chief way in Scripture that you proclaim Jesus to people is out of your story. It's out of experience. It's being vulnerable and honest. And the response of that is that people are astounded. They're amazed. And then what you find is it opens them up to the gospel because the second half of verse 22 says that they, he confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. As he's sharing out of his experience, and he's declaring that Jesus is the Son of God, and people are amazed and astounded that this is Paul, who just a couple days ago was here to round up people just like him he begins to confound the Jews in the synagogues, and he begins to prove by sharing his story that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the prophesied one. You see, what does this tell us? It tells us that our story has power. It has power. Listen, and this this is so important, I really want you to hear this. God did not make a mistake with your story. He didn't make a mistake with your story. There may be mistakes in your story, but God didn't make a mistake. See, I know in this room all of us have different things associated with our story, in particular in the past, that we don't want to share. We want to disassociate from. We have trauma. We have wounds. There is pain. There is deep shame. There is guilt. There are mistakes. But when you come to faith in Jesus, you are told that you are to disassociate with the shame and the guilt of your past. The Apostle Paul is always saying that we are not condemned by Christ. That we have no shame and no guilt any longer because we're fully accepted, loved, forgiven. The grace of God covers all sins. In fact, we are called righteous. We're made righteous in the image of God, in Christ. So, we are to disassociate with shame and with guilt. We're to allow it to slide off. We are not to hold on to that at all for any mistakes or wounds or trauma in our past. But listen, you are not to disassociate from your past. Those are two different things. To separate from shame and guilt, yes. But to separate from your story, no. The Apostle Paul shows this to us time and time again. He is always sharing from his story, from his past. And God wanted to use Paul's past to invite people to Jesus in the present. And God wants to do the same thing with you. God wants to use, yes, your past to invite people to Jesus in the present. And sometimes we, we look at the Apostle Paul and other central figures and people in Scripture, and we say, yeah, but I'm not like the Apostle Paul. I mean, like, we, we read people in the Bible, and we elevate them like they're some, another level of spiritual. Like, they, this wasn't hard for him. Do you really think that? It wasn't hard for him. Think about his past. Think about the trauma That he felt and the deep shame that he struggled with. Why do you think he's constantly preaching, not just to us, but to himself, to not hold on to shame and not hold on to guilt? That the gospel frees you from that. Because he struggled with it. The apostle Paul, we read in the book of Acts, was there in Jerusalem when Stephen was martyred. He was an accomplice to murder. The very first Christian martyr, Paul was there holding the coats of the men, throwing the stones. And then after that, he committed his life to looking to round up people that claim the name of Jesus and to try to destroy it. He was known by his hatred. He has a lot of wounds. In fact, he says that he has a thorn in his side that he struggles with and God won't remove. He's the very person that says, the very things I know that I should do, I don't do, and the things I shouldn't do are the things that I do. He is not some superhuman, different level than you and me. He struggled just like us. It couldn't have been easy for him to time and time again recount his past. There's shame. There was guilt. I am sure he struggled with. But I think he understood something. That your past has power. And his past has power. Because one of the most powerful things in the world is the courage to be vulnerable. It's the courage to be vulnerable, especially in a society where we try to make everything appear like it's okay. You maybe feel that pressure when you come to church. I don't want you to feel that pressure that you have to smile and everything's okay because you're at church, you're supposed to be happy. No, you don't have to be. We take pictures, I've said this before, we take pictures on Instagram and we try to make everything look great. You know, like you could be out at a restaurant and there's three people there, but you take the photo so it looks like you're at like a wild party. You're like, crazy night, you know? (laughs) We do that, right? You're going to maybe take a picture of some food you made and then when you look at it, you're like, eh, it doesn't look very good. So maybe I'm going to scratch that one. Let's try it again. You rearrange it, make it look nice. This is how we operate. We live in a culture and in a society where there is a lack of vulnerability. It's why we're so attracted to stories and behind the scenes and real life stories that aren't shallow but are true or people are honest about their past and their struggles and their mistakes. There is power in vulnerability because it takes courage to be vulnerable. That's why courage is a virtue. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for Paul. It's not easy for us either. But this is the race that you are to run. It's a race that you run out of your story. You have no need to feel any shame or any guilt out of your past. Because Jesus has paid for it. It is gone. It is forgiven. The only one who matters, who is God himself, does not see it. He sees you as forgiven and loved and righteous. So you can actually step into your past and use it as a vehicle to declare God's grace. You know what? If you have a lot, of, a, a lot of wounds in your past and a lot of pain in your past, a lot of shame and guilt, that's just an opportunity for God's grace to scream even more loudly because you're forgiven of it. You're disassociated from that shame and that guilt. The Apostle Paul shows that time and time again. You know, one of the things that I encounter oftentimes in the church, and maybe you feel this way too, is that we hear often of how we are to run the race of faith. Maybe not that language, but it's the message of that we're to to run, we're to sprint out of the gates. The, The race of faith is not a race that we run slowly. It's one that is long, but we constantly are running. We're putting forth every effort, not to earn our salvation, but to show God thankfulness and gratitude for what he's done for us. But many of us, and I know this is true of many of you in the room, our pace slows down begin to slow down, right? One of the, the people that oftentimes run the fastest in their faith, have you noticed this, are people that have just recently come to faith, right? Maybe you remember that in your past. Like when you came to faith in Jesus, when it clicked for you, you run fast. That's when you're on fire for God, right? Why? Why are people that just come to faith in Jesus, like the Apostle Paul here, Why are they running this race fast? Why is Jesus ever present on their lips? Why do they want to tell everybody? Because it's new, yes. But the reason that they're on fire is because they cannot stop sharing their story. Have you ever met someone that has just recently come to faith? Or when you think back on your past, what are they always talking about? Their story. Who they were. What they came to realize, the grace of God, who Jesus is, how it interacted with their story. They're speaking out of their experience, not out of knowledge, out of their experience. And there is power, and there is beauty, and there is courage in that. But for many of us, especially if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, for a little bit of a length of time, you notice that you start to slow down a little bit. Sprint out the gates on fire, fire dwindles. You know, going slow, kind of light jog, maybe. And I think that the reason that our faith has slowed is for three reasons. There could be more, but I want to share three. The first one is this, is because you feel that your faith is weakened and you're in a dry season. That's also kind of another Christian jargon. It just means that you're not feeling connected to God feeling disconnected to God, you're having a hard time reading the Bible, maybe you have a hard time motivating yourself to prioritize church on Sunday night, your prayers are distracted, you just feel like your faith is weak, you're having a hard time holding on to hope. It's a dry season. That's one reason maybe why your your pace is slowed in the race of faith. The second one, you guys will like this, is because you see yourself as a cultural warrior or a holiness cop. Okay? So the reason, now this, this, this central issue comes around pride. This has to deal with pride. So your pace slows, but in your mind, you think that you're like really running hard. You're really running hard for God. But in fact, what you're running hard at are the people on the sides. You're not running forward. You're running over here to culture. You're, tell, you're yelling at everyone. You're telling them how horrible they are. You don't like their story, and so you're trying to fix their story for them. Or you run over here to people, even in the church, and you're the holiness police, so you're telling them, "That's not right, you're wrong, you're, you're off here, you're not doing it right. you're not showing God enough gratitude, your doctrine's wrong, your theology's bad. So you think in your mind that you're running for, but you're just running to the side. You're not running after Jesus. You're running after other people's stories so you can attack and critique. Pace is slowed. In fact, when you come back to realize you've been doing that, you realize you haven't gone anywhere. You've been in the same spot. The last one is apathetic while your pace is slowed. And I, I know that there are some of you in the room that feel this way. And that's this this whole time that I've been speaking, you've been thinking, I don't really care. Like, to be honest, you're like, you're talking this whole time about proclaiming Jesus, and it's a simple message, and it's born out of my experience. Not going to do that. Like, I don't care. Like, I really don't care. I'm not going to put myself out there. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm not going to step in, into that courage. I, I have, I'm just trying to fix myself and work on my story. But your story is disassociated from God because if you don't care about seeing other people come to faith in Jesus, if you don't care about proclaiming Jesus' name to your friends and your family and your coworkers, you have disassociated from God's story that he's writing in your life, and you've believed a lie that you need to cultivate this other story that the world has promised you. Apathy. See, what happens in all of these situations, maybe why your pace is slowed if you relate to one of those three things, is because you have stopped telling your story to yourself and to other people. That's why you feel dry in your faith. Your faith feels weakened, why you're now a culture warrior, or you're the holiness police, or why you feel apathetic. Like, I don't really care. I'm not going to share with you. Because you're not telling yourself or anybody else the message and the story that God has written in your life. You probably have gone a long time with ever vocalizing to somebody else or even to your own heart what God has done for you, what Jesus means to you. And here's why that slows you down and leads you astray onto these slowed paces is because the message that you have received in Jesus is a message of grace. And when you slow down, it's because you've disassociated yourself from grace. And the way that you activate yourself to pick up the pace is through how, through grace. It is not by telling yourself, okay, I gotta go, I gotta work harder, I gotta try harder, I gotta be not apathetic, I gotta stop focusing on the people on the sides, I gotta just make my faith not weak anymore and strengthen it. It's not gonna work. The only way is to engage grace afresh. And the way that you engage grace afresh is by revealing and going back to your story, the most profound experience and moment where you experienced the grace of God for the first time. You tell that to yourself, and you tell that to other people. That is what builds strength. Look at verse 22a says. It says, but Saul, as he's sharing his story in the synagogues, increased all the more in strength. As people are astounded at his story, at what he is declaring, the simple message that Jesus is the Son of God, he is strengthened when you st- share your story, friends, you're strengthened. That is how you find strength. What made your soul come alive when you met Jesus for the first time? Grace. What will waken your weakened and sleeping faith? Grace. What will spur you forward out of the slow pace that you are running? Grace. It is only grace. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4-5 through 5 says. Listen to this, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, say this aloud with me, by grace you have been saved. That is the story for each and every one of you. Regardless of your past or how you met Jesus, what saved you was grace. And what you need to save you out of your slowed pace in your Christian walk in life is grace. It's not another program. It's not another book. It's not another, you know, just pep talk to yourself. No, it's grace. And the way that you activate grace afresh in your life is by telling your story to yourself and to other people. Your race is your story. And I want to leave you with an action step, Okay, a challenge. Here it is. One side is going to be easy. The other side is going to be harder. Okay, Two things. I want you to tell your story to two people this week. Tell your story of how you met Jesus, how you encountered God, to two people. One person should be a fellow believer. Maybe the person you're sitting next to right now. A friend, small group member, someone within the church or another ministry or community. I want, maybe you've never told them. I want you to tell them how you came to faith in Jesus. Your story. You're like, okay, that's easy. I can do that. Second one is I want you to tell someone who is not a Christian your story that you've never told before. Now, you may say, I have no idea how to do that. I'm going I'm to give you one suggestion, but you can do it however you want, okay? Here's how easy it can be, right? It's like we're going to get pragmatic. This week, when you talk with a coworker or a friend or a neighbor or your barista, what it comes up always is the weekend, right? What did you do this weekend? Oh, I went to the beach or went running. I did whatever. You say, I went to church. And then you follow up with saying, hey, I'd love for you to come with me next Sunday. Here's how they're going to respond, okay? Multiple ways in Miami. One is like real nervous, real awkward, real fast, right? Oh, um, that's great. Yeah, maybe, you know, non-committal, okay? The other one's going to be, oh, yeah, that sounds great. This sounds great. You know, it's going to like try to like, like, let's move on. Let's move on. The other one's going to be like, I don't believe, you know? I'm not like, I'm not a Christian, not like bad experience, whatever. Here's how you respond, Okay? Very simple. Because it's going to probably most likely be one of those responses. You say, hey, no worries. I totally relate with you. That is actually part of my story. I felt like that too before I encountered God and had this experience with God. And, and here's what happened. And uh, like our church is welcoming to you. And I love to bring you. And this is what I've come to believe. But you know, I'd love for you to bring your thoughts and your questions. So if you want to come with me, let me know. You just shared your story in like one sentence. You could Add in what it is to you in particular. One sentence. Easy. But you know what? Taking that step of courage is you, you're telling it not only to them, but you're telling it to yourself. That it matters. What God did in your life matters. And here's why. Here's the motivator. More than anything, more than my action steps, here's why. Because Jesus wrote your name in his story. Jesus said this, that your names are recorded in heaven. Your names are recorded in heaven. God is writing a story. Do you know that? He's making all things new. He is in control of all things, and he has a story that he is writing, and he wrote you into it. He recorded your names in heaven. You are declared a friend of God. You should declare your story because Jesus wrote you into his. Don't be apathetic. Don't focus on people on the side. Your faith may feel weakened, and try to tell your story to afresh through grace. Pick up the pace again. Don't overcomplicate things. Will you pray with me? God, we confess that we do overcomplicate things. That we forget the simple gospel. The power of our testimony. That we are forgiven and made new. Because of you, you wrote our names in your story. God, would we allow that to penetrate our hearts and our minds to encourage us, to motivate us, to move us to share with others a simple message, not born out of knowledge, but out of experience? God, we know it takes courage to be vulnerable, to share. Would you strengthen in us, Holy Spirit, the virtue of courage? Help us to believe that when we share, it's not only for the other person, though that should be enough, but it is also for us. As we're reminded every time we run out of our story of your grace, because our testimony has power. Stories matter. Our stories matter. We pray that we would receive this that we would believe this, that we would run out of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.